Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And today we have Adam Elmers from the Mouse and More Podcast with us. Hello, Adam. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you, Brian? I'm okay. Yeah, we're doing well. I have to stick to my reputation as the grumpy one, so. Yeah, the Disney curmudgeon, I guess, right? (laughs) Yeah. Today we are talking with Adam about attractions that you can learn something from at Walt Disney World. You know what? Those attractions that can make you smarter. These attractions are good ways to incorporate learning for those who kind of take their kids out of school and, you know, to go to Walt Disney World and you feel a little guilty about it. Like these are the attractions you want to bring them on and be like, look, like we did something smart and, you know, education wise when we are on vacation. So um, first off, before we get into that, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm on a podcast, the Mouse and More podcast, and uh, we've been doing that for, we got 115 episodes, what about like 16 months, if if I got my math right on that. And uh, we're just a bunch of like Disney fans like you guys, and we talk about the parks, Disneyland, Walt Disney World. We just did one on Par- Disneyland Paris recently because one of the hosts was on there. We range from about three to seven different hosts each episode. So sometimes it's a little more intimate and sometimes it's like a you know, free-for-all and you just kind of have to fight for your uh, opinion in there. But we all love going and uh, it always seems like one of us is down there in Walt Disney World or Disneyland or close enough to it where we seem to be doing a lot of different things. So we have different opinions, different levels and lives in terms of like parental units or, you know, who's got kids, who doesn't have kids and who's got older kids, younger kids. So we kind of hit a, the spectrum of um, as best we can in terms of the fanhood of, of Disney. So I think we're pretty uh, unique, but the same because in the end we're all talking about the same stuff so we just try to throw a little different spin on it as best we can yeah and by having people there all the time you always have topics to come up with yeah yeah we got a lot of topics to come up with (laughs) sometimes it's hard but sometimes it's easy Well, and if you listen to our podcast, you know that I never have good segues. But speaking of topics, let's get into this one. See, I like my only I ever good you, segue. I see what I, you did there. Uh, what yes, made yes. it good is that you pointed out how bad your segues normally are right before it. So. They are like so bad. Okay, let's let's get into this. Oh, but b- before I do, if you haven't listened to our last episode, it was with Jen from the Dillos Diz. We covered our top tips for bringing young children, babies, toddlers, just kids in general to Walt Disney World, all of our top tips. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you can download that. So now let's talk about some things that young children would probably not enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> See, another good segue. Good job, Brian. I'm just kidding. My kids very much like some of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are good. Okay. So Magic Kingdom Park. Let's start there. Hall of Presidents. This is an audio animatronic show in Liberty Square, and it was an opening day attraction. So, Adam, do you want to break this down for us? Well, you know, see, I believe that children are our future. We should teach them all and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty that they possess. Exactly. Exactly. So where, where to let those kids learn about our future than from the past and in Liberty Square, right? Magic Kingdom. Now, politics aside, Hall of Presidents is a wonderful attraction. And I think 
very underrated, especially when it's hot out and you need some place to sit down and cool off and um, get some air conditioning. But from what I gather, it's a follow-up from Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And Bill Clinton, uh, number, he's President 42. He was the first to have his own voice talk throughout the show. And then they've changed it every year or every year, every president since then. And I think the the best thing is you learn in a history of the United States through each sort of timeline of and time frame of when those presidents were, you know, active. So it goes into what's going on in the country when you know, Lincoln was president, JFK and H.W. Bush. And the great thing about this is that it gets updated every 48 years. So it was not stale. It will always keep changing. I think that helps it out even more than anything else because it doesn't remain stagnant for 10, 20 years like some of these other attractions. Right. Brian, how do your kids like this attraction? Your kids are what, eight and 10, right? Yes. Um, I am trying to think <laughs> if they've ever seen it. <laughs> uh, I think they have, um, I, or at least part of it. I don't remember. I tend to very much like history and, and historical attractions. I cannot stay awake through the whole <laughs> presidents. I um I think it's more to do with that it's Disney World and you're walking a lot and it's often very hot mm-hmm. uh, and, and it is a nice air conditioned room with a comfy padded seat than anything else. I think you could put me in a rock concert at that point and I would fall asleep. Uh, so I don't think it's the Hall of Presidents fault, but that's more what I tend to associate with it than the actual presidents. I agree. Uh, if we're talking rides that that incorporate learning into them. I mean, this is probably the best one to start with. It, it is one of the most intellectual rides. It's not, well, it's not a ride. It's a, a show. Uh, it has very cool animatronics. There are some very stirring uh, emotional speeches in there. I haven't actually seen it in a while. Uh, I don't remember when, but... Uh, but I'm I, sure I might... the speeches are stirring and emotional. They were last time I was in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Angela? Have you, uh, is this one that you, you go to a lot or just an every so often kind of attraction? I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me that question. I know. That's why I asked. If I had to talk about falling asleep. Inside, I should have never teased you. <laughs> I have never experienced what? this attraction. What? <laughs> Unbelievable. These are the kind of things that I, I, try, to, that. I, try, to keep, I try to keep these things from the Disney community because like, then it's like, what are you doing on a podcast that talks about Disney I'll attractions? I'll put on my list then, I now, guess. I know, I know. I'm like, oh, I know. No, so with Hall of Presidents, I grew up going with people who didn't really want to do shows. And first of all, I'm like a Disney princess person. So when I was little, didn't want to do this. And then I've had babies and toddlers this whole time. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't gotten a chance to do this show yet. But I am going to Walt Disney World. It's looking like three times this year. So I promise that I will see this. I will document it and take a picture. I will. I will. Okay, everyone. I know. I know. But you can give me some flack until then. All right. Let's move on because I'm getting embarrassed now. <laughs> I know. For shame. Angela, have you ever written It's a Small World? Why, yes, I have, Brian. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that now. Uh, it's a small world. Making in case... sure. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, covering my eyes now. Okay. It's a small world. It's an indoor dark ride attraction in Fantasyland. I'm pretty sure everyone knows the, the song. Opening day attraction. And it was originally built for the 1964 World's Fair 
for Pepsi as a tribute to UNICEF. All right, Adam, let's talk a little bit more. This was originally put there sort of as a joke, only because it just proves that all the children of the world can come together by singing the same song, right? And um, no, that's not really how it works. But Angela, you mentioned in our notes, and you didn't mention it to the people, now that I'm saying this out loud, it kind of sounds awkward, but it, and I didn't think of this, it opens up conversation with toddlers about different countries. I never even thought of that. And it's, that's what a, what a great way to, you know, introduce your young kids to the uh, culture. I sort of on a, let's call it a lower scale version of the world showcase where you can sort of see yeah. how the, the people in, sort of do their dancing and costumes or mm-hmm. that's not the right word, but I'm thinking this off the cuff and yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so he put this in as a joke. I kept it in because, you know, going on this ride with my toddlers, they ask me a lot of questions about the different countries and they see, you know, landmarks of the country. And it does open up a dialogue with your young children about that wanderlust of seeing different countries and different worlds. And so that's why I left that in there because it can be an educational experience with your young ones, you know, very superficial because the countries are stereotyped, but still you see those landmarks, they see different outfits that they're not used to. So it does open up a dialogue, even though it was put in as a joke, I did keep it in there because of that aspect. Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. This is an audio animatronic stage show in Tomorrowland. This is one that I think is really underrated. I really like it. It's up, It's like right there with the people mover. I just really enjoy it. It's like my two favorites in Tomorrowland. Who wants to take this one? Brian, Adam? I can do this one. Um, okay. This was not quite an opening day attraction. It opened in 1975, so four years after the Magic Kingdom opened. Another one that was originally created for the World's Fair, unlike It's a Small World, this one no longer exists in Disneyland. So the Magic Kingdom in Florida is the only place you can see the Carousel of Progress. It is quoted often as Walt's favorite attraction, although I feel like I've heard that about. No, it is. It is. By this point, it is. It, it, it I very well him. might be. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's like it's like how you say that to your kids. Oh yeah, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. It's like Walt said that about every attraction. But much like like Walt probably had a real favorite attraction, I have a real favorite kid, so that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, it, it showcases the uh, life of the typical American family through the 20th century and has a killer song in between the scene changes, oh, yeah. uh, which is actually part of the reason that my kids both enjoy and absolutely hate this attraction <laughs> is because they like singing the song and dislike when I sing it very loudly into their ears as the, the theater is rotating. Uh, one of the, the cool technological parts of this is that it is kind of a show ab- about the the movement of technology through the twenty first through the twentieth and into the twenty first century. But uh, the theater itself is actually moving rather than the scenes change on the stage. The mm-hmm. seating area rotates around the stage, uh, which is just a fun little tidbit. Yeah, it's it's something, well, first of all, I just have to comment that I really want to go on a family vacation with Brian now so that he can sing random show songs to me because I won't get annoyed. I'll just be laughing and filming you. Because <laughs> I know the people, Brian has like a little fan club and I know that the people would love to see this. We should do like a Patreon for you, Brian. And then those could be the little videos that we put in. It's just you clips of you singing Me walking Disney around songs. the park singing. Yeah. Yes. 
That's not a Disney curmudgeon thing to do. No, I'm not really a curmudgeon. Well, I'm a little bit, but uh, not about stuff like that. No, I like I like singing. It's your character. Yeah. You want to uh, hear a more curmudgeonly take? Um, I really wouldn't be sad at all if the Carousel of Progress what? got replaced. But You that's, monster. That's- <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I like I like it. I like it a lot, but it's all nostalgia for me at this point. Like, I, it, it's okay. I'll stop now. No. Go ahead. You can. You, you two can can pile on me now. We did it to Angela last round. Yeah, I know. It's your turn. You take the blow. So, yeah, you kind of talked about what we're learning is how far technologically we've come, and you also learn little facts about each era. Like, you learn about Charles Lindbergh and traveling by train coast to coast and those kind of little things, but you learn about them in a very playful way. So, yeah, it's it's a fun attraction. Nice air conditioning. Good place to take a nap, I guess, if you're not interested in the attraction, but I personally really enjoy it. And it sounds like Adam, you Oh, I love too. it. And uh, one of the things, if you take the Marcelina Magic Kingdom tour, they take you through the Carousel Progress and the tour guide puts a flashlight on and points things out to you as you're going through it. So you kind of go through it on your own as a group. And I, when I went, and I'm sure the tour guys, this is part of the script, is that this was supposed to represent Walt in each time period and how he would have interacted and reacted with what was going on around him. And I think for somebody that was so interested in the future and how things were supposed to develop and how we're supposed to learn from the past and move on, it puts it more in perspective when you're sitting there and watching it, thinking, oh, well, think of this as the same person going back and thinking, oh, wow, look how life happened and then going forward thinking wow look at life might happen in the future i understand that the last scene is not really the future anymore and maybe they should update it maybe they shouldn't but i'm okay with it because i kind of like the little jokes that they put in there and and the ski boots and the vr television i mean and the turkey Mm -hmm. that catches on fire i mean that's that's funny that's real american living right there that happens you know you burn the turkey the christmas turkey so you gotta go get pizza yeah i actually don't mind the end scene although i also am of the opinion that they should probably years ago now have changed tomorrowland to a retro future yeah i would love to see some of the older disney things go into more of a a retro stage i i always think that with the polynesian too i would kind of love to see them go it it, the outside of the buildings are already still the 70s colors i'd love to see them just go full out like retro 70s with it but uh and that's how i feel about tomorrowland i would love to see a vision of the future as seen from like the 50s because it would be more timeless that way at least well embracing that nostalgia instead of constantly having to refurb to kind of keep up with Mm -hmm. technology yeah embrace the nostalgia and kind of go with it i get it okay let's move on to epcot the great big beautiful oh sorry i thought we were switching scenes oh shining at the light end of every day sorry i screwed up that that line there you know what (laughs) we could try again there's a lot of other songs that we could sing later on i love singing they never Um, let me sing on our show well now's not the time (laughs) here either adam (laughs) i'm just kidding okay okay i'm getting too giggly this episode okay epcot spaceship earth this is a good one because I was just, uh, I turned this on, the soundtrack to this in my car today for my kids and was giving them like a little history lesson, you know, in the car about each of the scenes and making papyrus and then the Renaissance and all that stuff. So this really is an educational ride. 
So Dark Ride in Future World opening day attraction, it's been updated four times and is going to be refurbed again, rumored the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And it's going to be down for two years, which is like devastating to me because I have to go on this every time I'm at Epcot. And, and what am I going to do? What am just I going to do for go two to years? I just get the whole park. I, I know I had to do that for Hollywood Studios for like two years or three years. So honestly, for Epcot, like go in International Gateway and don't even go near Future World because it's going to be so, it's it's going to be all walls for the next two years anyway. No, so. seriously. I mean, it's not honestly not a bad idea because what am I going like to do? Just go around the side so you can still ride, you know, test track and soaring and stuff, and just not go in that middle part at all because it's going to just be. They're doing the whole entrance way, and yeah, it's going to be a mess for a while. It'll be awesome when it's done, but oh, it's going to be so tough ride before. Oh, it's going to be so good. But Adam, yes, talk a little bit more about it. All right, so right now it's being narrated by Dame Judi Dench, and it showcases advancements of communication throughout human history and how it's evolved over the future, from the past through the future. And it starts from early humans fighting for survival all the way through the invention of computers and the World Wide Web. Obviously, it doesn't go into smartphones and and the kind of technology we have now. That's why we're happy that it's getting updated. But there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I didn't even know, like you don't even learn about in school. And you learn about it in Epcot and Space of Birth. Mm-hmm. Like the Egyptian native... I don't think that's the right term for him, but the the man that's that <laughs> that is making papyrus to make paper, and then how they used to have the yeah, the weeds, and then, yeah. and even how the when the fall of the empire of the Roman Empire and they lost all of the documents and the and the books that they had, and they ended up having the backup mm-hmm. reserves in the you know Arab and Persian area, and I didn't know any of that stuff happened, and uh, I think it's. Uh, it's great for especially the youngsters that aren't too familiar with how people used to communicate with back then, especially now since we're communicating yeah. so easily. I mean, look, we're talking to each other through computers, you know, through headsets, and that was witchcraft to people back in the 1920s and <laughs> 30s. So, you know, you're getting your past, and then you're getting maybe, hey, how are things going to go in the future? Especially with the way that the the post scenes are the from the when you're going down the towards the end and you got the screen and you get to pick your future and a lot of that stuff yeah. still hasn't happened yet you know flying cars and living underwater and and the medical devices mm-hmm. that will fix you on the spot not none of that stuff exists yet so that although this ride might be need some updating some of it still hasn't even isn't close to being happening so we still can look forward to, to some of that stuff yeah. yeah. Now this this is one actually my my kids like a lot. This is one of the top requested rides. It's one we tend to do a few times when we're there. Actually, part of that is because of that kind of posts. Uh, you know, as you're going back down through the the way the the ride works, you kind of spiral up into the the geosphere, and then you back out down through the middle of it. And as you're coming back down, that's when they show the screens, and you get to you take your picture on the way you know into the uh, way up, and then you it puts you in the future. So that is part of why my kids really enjoy it. But they like the rest of it, uh, you know, as well. And they like seeing the different places. It incorporates a lot of sights and background sounds and smells. It's really well done. It's it's the only one left 
of the original like Epcot edutainment kind of theory. Everything else has been replaced with more of a traditional ride system. Not well, almost everything else. The next one, I guess, is the same. But uh, it's with the last like major ride that still has that education element in Epcot. Yeah, it's a really good one that you can talk through with your kids during and afterwards. And just, you know, it's the evolution of communication, which is so important, especially in a day and age when, you know, people are looking at their phones more and texting each other instead of communicating face to face. So, uh, yeah, like I said, my kids and I had an entire conversation about just this ride in the car and how people used to get their news from a newspaper. And now we get it from our phones and our iPads and computers and stuff like that. But like Brian was saying, there is one other ride that is kind of that, would you say ed- edutainment? Yes. Yes, I like yeah. that word. And that's Living with the Land, which is a boat ride in the mm-hmm. Land Pavilion. Also an opening day attraction. It was originally called Listen to the Land, which I feel it's still kind of exactly like that. It brings you through different dioramas of different climates and agricultural areas in the world. And it's it's a greenhouse tour and kind of a bug tour and how they use bugs and everything to grow plants. I don't know. It's a lot. I have a video on it on our YouTube channel and we've talked about it before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But can one of you, do you, either of you mind kind of talking about what else you learn and why it's important and ooh, and the behind the scenes tour too. Yeah. If you can, please. <laughs> Fine. I won't go too far on it because Angela and I did a, an episode just on the land pavilion a little while ago uh, that you can find in our back catalog where we talk pretty extensively about everything in there, including, mm-hmm. including living with the land. And, um, it it sounds kind of boring actually, but it it's captivating. Like it's a, a very fun, uh, pleasant way to spend you know ten or so minutes. You're just riding around in a boat. There are a couple film screens that you go by that that tell you a little bit about agriculture. But then you just go through the greenhouse. You see tons of different plants. You go through a little uh, a little hatchery with some fish and some baby crocodiles and or alligators. I don't remember which off the top of my head. It's cool to just see everything is labeled so you can see what they are. It's it's fairly well landscaped. It looks pretty. Uh, another one that my kids actually enjoy despite that it's learning about plants. Yeah. I was just going to say, if you have a green thumb or you think you have a green thumb, you should definitely, I mean, you're obviously going to ride it, but it definitely even take the behind, behind the seeds tour because you're going through with like a botanist or a, someone that wants to be a botanist and they are describing how they irrigate, how they make sure that these plants have enough sunlight and how they're developing different ways to grow them in places where they don't have the type of irrigation water that we have and, you know, some of our climates Mm-hmm. That we got like in you know the northern half of like the United States versus you know the desert or the middle of uh, Antarctica or something. So I think if you're interested in at all about you know growing your own types of vegetables or plants or anything, or even if you just don't even have the room but you've always wanted to figure that out. I've done the behind mm-hmm. the scenes. I thought it was going to be boring and it wasn't. <laughs> it's like the best like twenty five dollars yeah, I ever spent good. at Disney World. It's it's much more interesting again, like the ride than it sounds. Oh yeah, I I think I mentioned this in our land pavilion uh, episode, but I brought friends from the UK and from St. Louis, and you know they're like twenty somethings, and I'm like, we gotta go on living with the land, and they're like why like this sounds so boring and they went and they're like this is great this is such a good ride i'm like yeah i know i told you 
It's a good one. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely one to check out. The American Adventure. This is one that I recently went on in August. It's another audio animatronic stage show, but it's located in the American Adventure Pavilion, also known as like the America Pavilion um, mm-hmm. at Epcot in the World Showcase. And Adam, I'll let you take this. You can you just right. talk about everything. So um, <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> this is more. This is um, I like this opening day attraction, and it basically takes you on a trip through American history, narrated by Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain. And they're actually there, the real Ben Franklin and Mark Twain, at least the audio animatronic versions of them. Right? It's updated ninety three, two thousand seven. It was recently updated in two thousand eighteen about 30 minutes so plan your time wisely if you want to sit through there and watch it and i th- mm-hmm. think the best way to describe it is you're learning learning about historical characters some famous that you know and some that, that they sort of you know made up to allow the story to go on right you're going through periods of the american revolutionary war civil war the centennial international exposition of 1876 and that represents the industrialization of America uh, and even into the great depression, it kind of then skips a big chunk between the great depression to (laughs) now, but that's okay because you learn a lot of that stuff in school and, you know, uh, maybe, you know, your school history class can fill in the gaps, but seeing Benjamin Franklin on stage walking and talking about how America has gone through so much and we're still figuring things out and we're trying to make ourselves better and how we are continuing to evolve as a community and as a country and looking into the future. And it's, it's very positive in the end and how we're supposed to, you know, sort of view America as this great vast nation that has enormous possibilities. This is another one kind of like hall of presidents where, it's not something I see every every trip for me. Uh, it, it's just uh, <laughs> I like more of the like you know history of technology and uh, spaceship Earth and the, uh, the just the Amer- straight American history, I guess. But but I always it's also one that as I'm watching it, I go, oh yeah, this is this is nice. I like this. But I, I think some of it is the runtime at 30 minutes is is a little bit tough, especially if I'm with the kids, because trying to explain to them why we need to sit and watch this for the next half hour can be a little bit tricky. But yeah, it's it's one I like quite a bit. I just I just don't do it that often. I think it was really hyped up for me when I first saw it. Everyone was like, this is my favorite attraction at Epcot. I love it. You gotta see it. I'm like, okay, it's gonna be amazing. And I walked into the theater and it was absolutely gorgeous. And the audio animatronics are amazing. Like I was so impressed how many they could fit in there. And I I thought that was incredible. But like Brian said, it just got a little long for me. And I think it's because that when I'm at Walt Disney World, I'm just someone that go, go, goes. And I don't do a lot of the shows. So I think that's what it was is just because I I don't sit still when I'm there and the length. Mm -hmm. But I thought that the audio animatronics were great. And I thought that the story was good but yeah it's just the length for me yeah and that's how we we don't do a lot of shows either when given the choice my kids almost always will pick a ride over a show so yeah that's me uh, that's that's a lot of it too but yeah no it's i have nothing bad to say about american adventure that's for sure yeah yeah and like i said this 
theater is just stunning. Oh my gosh, so beautiful. And the the whole area that American Adventure is in, of course, is World Showcase, which surrounds the World Showcase Lagoon in Epcot. It, it consists of 11 countries, including America. Each kind of country has its own little cultural nugget to it. There are three different films in Canada, France, and China. There are a few rides in uh, Mexico, Norway, although Norway's ride isn't exactly about Norway anymore. That is where the Frozen Ever After ride is. Uh, there will be a Ratatouille ride in France in a year or so. Yep. And uh, almost every country represented there has uh, restaurants. They have uh, little museums. They have things. It's when Angela was talking about it's a small world being a good conversation starter for another culture, this is kind of that on steroids where you actually get to immerse yourself as about as much as possible in central Florida into different countries. Mm-hmm. Adam, what, what are your experiences with, with well, I, for one, I'm going to give a little personal story here, right? I'll, I'll grow real fast. I promise. Of course. My grandmother's parents were born in Sicily which is the boot, the toe portion of Italy, right? So she yeah. grew up, she was born here, but she grew up her talking Italian to her, her parents, right? And then unfortunately they passed away, you know, like 10 years ago. And we took my grandmother to Disney for the first time. We ate it via Napoli, the best pizza, at least like in that area <laughs> it is. And I mean, in yeah, Florida, I mean, I can probably, pick up yeah. New York spots that are better being from New Jersey, but via Napoli is very good. And we, you know, we get her in there and when we asked, can we, is there anybody from Sicily? And so they start coming over and then the cast members find out that, you know, there's a woman here, parents from Sicily speaks Italian. And so they all start coming over and I'm not joking. Like 20 of these cast members showed up and they're all starting to talk to her <laughs> because I guess, you know, they've been here for however long on their, on their college program tour or, and they haven't talked to any, you know, Italian speaking people other than their, themselves. And they meet like an American that knows all this stuff. Yeah. She can, we were trying to figure out where everybody was from and matching, you know, cities and everything and talking about the things that she was told by her grandparents, by her parents. And, and they just loved it. So world showcase, if you have a heritage that is represented in one of those countries, and even if you don't, you can learn more about and interact with those people straight from the source. And I think what better way to learn about a place than actually talking to the people that live there and figure out what the heck their culture is and, and what's going on with them. And, and yeah, they don't really dress that way. Okay. People in Germany aren't really wearing lederhosen, <laughs> but it, it still sort of puts you in that sort of realm of fantasy and uh, the ideal version of maybe what you would think would be going on in that country. But the food obviously mm-hmm. is incredible because they're making it based on where it is coming from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I love the I love the France movie, even though it's 100 years old, it seems like. I love the music in that thing. <laughs> the Circle Vision theaters are cool, but I wish they had chairs that swiveled so you didn't have to stand and keep craning your neck and leaning yeah. against things. Yeah. But uh, if you had chairs that swiveled, I'm sure people would fall asleep. So maybe they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of wish they kept Maelstrom, but that's an argument for another show. If you guys want to have it come back, we can do that. (laughs) Showcase, hands down, that's where you're going to learn anything if you're going to learn anything in Disney World. 
Yeah, you pretty much summed it up. That's what I really like about the World Showcase is I feel like a lot of, I mean, a lot of memories are made anywhere at Walt Disney World, but I personally have a lot of good memories at the World Showcase. Also, um, I did the Segway Tour back when they did the Segway Tour. Oh, I did that too, yeah. Did you? It was, oh, it's so, it was so good. And now they have a similar one that I don't think involves the Segways, but I hear really wonderful things about that. It takes you on a tour of the World Showcase, gives you really good trivia and facts about it. From what I hear, it's very similar to the Segway tour, except just like which not that. Um, you so, don't get to fly around on a Segway. Yeah, yeah, which I was terrified of going through Morocco on a Segway and not breaking anything. I didn't, but uh, yes, definitely suggest that if you have the opportunity to. All right, I want to point out that. Adam, he thought of this topic and kind of created the outline. And I was really happy that he included Disney's Hollywood Studios because though it's not traditional, like education based, it is in the sense of the arts and a cinematic education. So Mm -hmm. there are two attractions that we have to discuss. And that's the first one is Walt Disney Presents. And it was opened in October 2001, and it's a walkthrough attraction showcasing models, pictures, and artifacts from the Disney archives. And really, it just, at the end of the day, showcases Walt Disney's life, uh, the hardships he overcame, and the creation of Disneyland. So really, what are we learning about? We're learning about Walt Disney and his legacy and everything, you know, the the resorts. And they they showcase how he... And the animators created the movies with the pain, the different like levels of the pain. I had no idea how they make these movies, right? The, mul- the yeah. multiplane cameras is yeah. the coolest thing. That I, I yeah, love I, I mean, that. I had I don't know how that stuff works. So you find out, oh wow, that's how they do it. I thought they just kept drawing, and then that's how they, you know, just keep you know, copying the same picture and over and over again. And and then the models of how they designed the parks to look, and how they use the miniatures mm-hmm. to sort of figure out how everything was going to look. And I hope that thing never goes away. And if it does have to go away, I hope they move it to somewhere nearby. Yeah, That's what I meant when I said resorts is I meant Disneyland resort. Just so people are like, what do you mean by hotels? Okay. Go on, Brian. Yeah, no, I was just saying, I'm, I'm totally with you there, Adam. I, um, I think they, this is definitely something they should keep. And, and I understand like they will have, they'll put characters in there. A lot of times they'll put models of things that are upcoming. They had, you know, like the star Wars galaxy's edge model uh, in there for a little while, I believe. And, um, you know, I understand they, they do that stuff to try to get more people in the door. Cause it's not the busiest place in the world, but I, I think they do understand the importance of keeping, keeping some of the innovations that, that Walt had. And, you know, it's one of those things like, like some of the stuff we had mentioned about, carousel progress in the past like they don't sound like innovations now because it's stuff that we've moved past but it's nice to see really how interesting that that's the things are and, and the multiplane camera i mentioned before is i mean it's kind of a camera pointed at the ground with just stacks of different panes of animation in between it to give the film depth which i i always think is the one of the coolest things i've ever seen for like an animated movie and they have a, a, at least, I don't know if it's a real one or if it's a, a replica of one, but uh, you can see exactly what it looks like and, and how big it is and how hard they had to work to actually make movies then. What is also similar to Walt Disney Presents, if you do like that, is the new show on 
the Grauman's Chinese Theater. It's called Wonderful World of Animation, and it just features 90 years of Walt Disney and just acknowledging that it all started with a mouse. It's wonderful. I got to see it the night it debuted at the 30th anniversary of Hollywood Studios um, after hours event. So if you get a chance to see that, please do. It's wonderful. It's very, very good. And if I could just could the movie at the end of Walt Disney Presents, it's not really a movie, you know, it's a five-minute presentation. I don't cry much. I always cry at the end of that thing when, you know, it talks about how he had a dream. And, of course, Julie Andrews is the one narrating it. And I hate when they have the movie previews in there. I wish it would just stay the way it is. But Mm -hmm. beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've seen that show in a while. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it again. I don't think I've seen it in a while either. I think they've had movie previews in there the last few times I've been through yeah, there. So. That's how it's been for me too. All right, which one of you wants to talk about Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular? I can't say it spectacular. That was a fail. Go ahead, Adam. I'll, I'll let you take this one. I'll All do, right, so I'll do the next you might one. not think you're learning anything about this, but this stunt show, August of 1989, goes through some popular so uh, scenes from the Indiana. Wow, I can't. I'm getting too excited. Indiana Jones movies, right? <laughs> and what are we learning, right? Who, what the heck are you learning in this? Well, when you think about it, you're learning how they make movies, how they stage different stunts, how they have to have all these extras. If you're somebody that's into movie making, even nowadays, it's so easy to make movies on your phone with YouTube. You could put together a whole production in the palm of your hands now. This is showing you how they have to do it and how to make it look right. And how to get a whole cast and crew together. And this was was, was great about this uh, MGM Studios, uh, way back machine, right? Back in the day of how mm-hmm. they made movies. And we just get to see the two-hour you know, finale at the end when we go to the movie theater. But, man, these movies take a lot of time and effort and a lot of people working on it. And they're great jobs. And it's a great – if you're a creative mind and you have a – you think you have a passion for – for wanting to, you know, put something from your head onto the big screen or even the small screen, see the show because this, uh, this will, yeah. hopefully, this sparked your interest into you know, wanting to do more about that stuff. Yeah, I'm curious to tell you now. I, I mean, I, I, my family has has seen this a few times at least. It's another one of those that we don't generally do every trip. It's more of an every other kind mm-hmm. of, but. Um, I, I'm curious to have my daughter see it again because she's 10 now and she's just starting to get interested in, uh, and you know, she's just kind of starting to realize that like movies and TV aren't real, I guess. She'll ask me even YouTube videos they watch and stuff like that. She'll start to ask me like, Oh, well, you know, how did they do that? And, you know, I'll explain to her cause she's, she's just realizing that you don't have to film stuff sequentially and things like that, you know? So I, I'm, I'll be curious to see what her reaction is to it next time we, we do see it because I think she'll find it a lot more interesting now or before it was kind of just people throwing themselves around and fire. Yeah. That's a great one that I feel like I did more when I was younger, but haven't as much since. It's been several years since I've seen this one. I have so much to do this year on my trips. Oh my gosh. Okay. It doesn't help that they haven't changed the show since 1989. That's that's a really good point. I feel like if you've seen it once, it's like kind of the same after Because it's mostly scenes from, I think it might all be scenes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, uh, you know, there's been two other Indiana Jones movies that that I will admit exist. So... uh, (laughs) You didn't like Crystal Skull there, uh, Brian? 
I, I will say if they decide to do a crystal skull, I, you know, I'm getting a lot closer to the age range of someone that could play Harrison Ford now. Although I think he, I think I was actually his age when he was in like Temple of Doom. I just look 20 years older than that somehow. I like how there's like a moment of silence when you acknowledge the, like two of them were like, yes, we understand. <laughs> okay. Disney's Animal Kingdom. This park is packed with education and it's, yeah. it's all centered around animals and who doesn't want to learn about animals? Uh, Kilimanjaro safaris probably being number one because you get to see these like real African savanna animals. Uh, it was an opening day mm-hmm. attraction and these are animals that you you don't really get to see. Maybe you'll get to see them at the zoo, but it's a completely different environment. I mean, you get to see these animals pretty pretty up close in what's considered a more, I don't want to say natural habitat, but you know what I mean. If you've done it's the attraction. Clo- a lot closer to natural than most zoos. Exactly. Yet. Yeah. They did a big promotion. I, and I, every time you describe animal kingdom as opening day attractions, I, uh, it always makes me sad because I was in college when animal kingdom opened. Like, what was it that, wasn't that long ago, was it? 98. Yeah. Oh, I was nine. Um, me too. Yeah. Actually, no, I was eight. <laughs> Actually, I was seven, but let's not. Oh we're not God. counting. Uh, okay, young and- now you're hurting Brian's <laughs> feelings. Now let's move on. Jeez, but yeah, they they did this whole promotion, especially when the park first opened, that it is not a zoo. You know, they had they kind of made up an African word that when you pronounced it, it said it was not a zoo. But it it's kind of a zoo, but it's a really, really, really good one with rides. Um, and Kilimanjaro Safari is probably the best thing they've done there as far as incorporating the animals into what is essentially a ride. Yeah. They used to have, of course, more of a storyline with poachers and things that they uh, have, have kind of since given up on. But it still goes, you know, the truck still goes a little fast. They will still occasionally have the bridge that uh, that sort of collapses, although that's very, very hit and miss now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mostly you do, you get to see animals in the most inventive habitats I've ever seen where it looks like there's no barriers between them, even though there are lots and lots of barriers. I yeah. love it. A Kilimanjaro Safari is one of my favorite rides. That is absolutely one we have to do at least once every trip. It's so good. I mean, you get to see how the animals interact with each other. You get to kind of, I don't know if you get to see their diet, but kind of, and you get to see their sleep yeah. habits and, and you just really observe the wild animals, so to speak. You know, it's it's great. I love it. My kids adore it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. If they could do it every day, they would. It's a great one. Can't say enough good things about it. I just wish um, they always had like the lion's roar every time you went past them. <laughs> gosh, why can't they make them do that? A little electroshock, you know. There was one time I was it. on it and the lion was at the rock right where the tri- truck goes past I, I i don't know how the distance it felt like he was right there but it was probably like 20 feet but it mm-hmm. felt right there it was the only time the rest of the time the lions are always at the top of the rock sleeping and they're not doing anything yes i know I, I always think that with the rhinos like every once in a while you'll go by those rhinos and they're just standing right next to where the trucks are i'm like this doesn't well seem and like this i've seen them where they, right? they start moving their legs like they're gonna start running at something i don't know what they're running at hopefully it's on us <laughs> you're like how good is that barrier <laughs> Well, no, there, there's no barrier. There. there aren't barriers between the road. Like there, that's um, I'm a, I'm assuming that somehow the rhinos just don't 
attack the truck. Maybe they just won't attack something bigger than them. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty good with animals. I, that is one of the areas that I love learning about, but uh, I don't know exactly why the rhinos don't occasionally just decide to <laughs> spear a truck. If you're listening, respond to us on Twitter using hashtag TPPOD and let us know why don't the rhinos attack us? Not that we want them to. We're just curious. And also, I, something I'd like to hear, to, tell us your the best animal interaction you've had on Kilimanjaro Safari. Oh, yeah. I like hearing those stories. I, I had one uh, that I have a couple of decent pictures of where a uh, male lion, again, they were in one of the lower rocks that you could actually see them. And a female lion was laying there and a male lion kind of came up and started nosing at her. And she just turned and roared right in his face. And he turned and walked away. That's me when Michael tries to make wake me up early. Like, oh yes, you know, and uh, I and I I got a couple good pictures of her just like baring her teeth at at this this big male lion. It was it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a mood. Animal exhibit and paths. That is our next one. There are really there's several of these, and if you follow our Instagram page, this is a plug for sure. Um, the touring plans Instagram page. We go to Animal Kingdom quite a bit and post in-park footage of us going to see Baby Grace at the Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail. We check we check out the birds, and um, but yeah, there's there's the Oasis exhibit in the front entrance, Discovery or Discovery is it Discovery Island? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Discovery Island trails. There's the Maharaja Jungle Trek. Almost. Did I say it wrong? Isn't there yeah, Maharaja? Sorry. Yeah. You know what? I was I was almost proud of myself there. <laughs> Maharaja. Oh, that yep. makes sense. Raja, the tiger. Oh, the I see what they did there. Oh, I, was, I said it with such conviction too, and was completely wrong. All right. <laughs> I wanted to mention it because you know somebody else was going to afterwards. So you know that's just, why, that's why cutting off the tweets there. I'm glad I'm glad that you're there to tell me when I'm wrong, Brian. Makes that's what I'm here good. for. Exactly. It's nice. Um, all of these offer self-guided walking tours of the animal exhibits with, you know, cards that you can read information, postmarks, giving you those facts and information, like I said, of the animals. This is the most zoos that the, the most zoo that Animal Kingdom gets are kind of these walking trails. But again, they're they're real nice. Yeah. <laughs> It's a nice zoo. It's a Disney yeah. zoo, right? I mean, the Maharaja Jungle Trek part, like where the tigers are and everything, like it kind of looks like an old rune temple. Like it's it's very, very pretty, even if the tigers aren't visible, which is kind of how I see them most of the time is invisible. Yeah, so. we didn't get to see it. We didn't get to do that with my son. He loves tigers, but we didn't get to do that because we thought that they took the tigers away, but they're just not visible. I think they just that hide. Kind of how it is. I think all of the enclosures, there are areas where the animals just can't really be seen just to kind of give them uh, space if they want it. Uh, and tigers are just a little shyer than most, I think. I it, it, it seems like it's one of the two. They're either invisible or they are right up against the glass and, and that there's no in between. It yeah. seems like with those, like cats in general. Yeah, that's yeah. like me. I either want attention or I'm like, get away. Yeah, mm-hmm. I understand. Uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch. Adam, can you please talk about that? Um, Rafiki's Planet Watch, right now, self-guided walkthrough exhibits of showcasing animals, how they're cared for at the animal kingdom themselves. So they're going to, they have some, you know, uh, glass sort of partitions where they have the veterinarians sometimes working on the animals. I believe they still have a animal expert come out and hold like a a snake or a reptile or some type of, you know, yep. 
A ferret. There was a ferret there. Yeah, the some type of like holdable animal talking to whomever wants to sit and watch about the animal that they're they're showcasing. Now I know they've changed some things very like as of today or yesterday recently. So I yeah. can't speak on the animation a part of it, and they know they changed some things. I think the yeah. petting zoo is still there, which who doesn't love a petting zoo? Yeah, you yeah, get to brush especially the people that uh, make Purell. They love petting zoos, but um, yeah, the petting <laughs> zoo is great because how many? You know, I, I don't know where you, wherever you guys come from, but where I come from, we've got woods and and petting zoos available. But but if you're from like maybe like a city yeah. type area, you don't even get to see farm animals or or a ferret being held by a mm-hmm. an animal um, expert. So it's more hands on. Definitely great for the children to learn more about whatever kind of animal that they got showcased in that day. Yeah. It's, and if, you know, anybody that's interested in, you know, the medical procedures there, sometimes, um, sometimes you can ask at like guest services and stuff. And if there's a a scheduled procedure, sometimes they can look for you. At least they used to be able to, I, I, you know, um, but a lot of times it's just checkups and things. So you just have to get a little bit lucky that Mm -hmm. they're there. Last time I was there, they did have a, a warthog actually out that uh, they were they were just kind of putting him back in his crate to go back into his enclosure, but uh, but still still neat to see. Yeah, what they've added uh, as of very recently is uh, basically like an animation academy, like they used to do in Hollywood Studios, uh, where you learn to draw. And uh, they they moved that out to Rafiki's Planet Watch now, so you can go out there and and they do. I, I think it's more like animal based, but mm-hmm. still kind of animated so i the way i read that and i, I haven't really seen anything from it yet but uh, is you know you could learn to draw like timon and pumbaa or something from the lion king rather than like you know a, a human character but still you uh now you can learn about animals and learn to draw them apparently while yeah. you're out there I know. now you do have to we should probably mention to get to rafiki's planet watch at animal kingdom you do have to take a train from yeah. the Africa section. Uh, so you really kind of have to add a pretty good amount of time to your day. Yeah, I was the just going to mention that. Yeah, the train's only a couple minutes, but you might have to wait 10 or 15 minutes for it on both ends. And then, of course, the time you spend walking around there. So I, I would budget at least an hour for Rafiki's Planet Watch, including transportation and, and possibly more if you think you're going to want to spend some time out there. I'm waiting for them to turn that train into a Zootopia no. one, and then they could just they could just play the Shakira song over and over. <laughs> I will say, if Rafiki's Planet Watch does anything, it encourages you know hopefully encourages somebody out there to become a veterinarian and take care of our animals. And if if that's all that it's there for, then what a great thing for Disney to have on property is a place where it could encourage youngsters to want to go into a field of not that we want to encourage kids to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life when they're five but you know what i'm saying if if you're it's going to encourage a kid to want to you know help out animals that's great what a great spot for it right it serves as inspiration for maybe future passions you know what i mean i get it wilderness explorers is something i have not done just because my kids are not old enough which i mean why why would that stop me i'm like a big kid Okay, Adam, then I want you to talk about it because I haven't done it. I don't really know uh, well, much Well, it's, it. it's like Boy Scouts, but in within a five-hour span, right? So you're going to meet at – there's a – actually, you could you could start it at a bunch of different places, but you probably want to start at Discovery Island, and there's a Wilderness Explorer sort of encampment right there. You're going to have to go through the whole pledge. you got to put your hand up and 
do the little song that they got. You're going to get a booklet. And then there's about 20 or so different spots all around Animal Kingdom Park where you have to answer a question, figure out a riddle. You got to look for stuff around the area, all having to do with what is going on in that spot. So, you know, Dinoland, you got to look for a fossil about a dinosaur and write down what is going on with that fossil or same thing with Freeze Planet Watch. If they're talking about a snake, you got to write down what kind of snake it is. And then you go to whatever stand is nearby, and then you got to answer the questions. They give you a a badge to put in your book, and hopefully you get it all done by the end of the day, because then you become a real wilderness explorer, and then you get the big sticker that you can wear. And I think what's great about this is it teaches kids to persevere, to you know want to finish something throughout the day. It keeps them entertained as opposed to staring at their phones while they're walking around the parks, and it gives them something to figure out and look for each you know as they're going through each section and it's teamwork if you're working with a friend or a you know brother and sister or you know even your parents trying to you know do things together and it's especially in the Africa and Asia sections of the park you will interact with people from those areas so you'll learn more about their culture and your kids gonna learn or you Angela are you gonna learn something about that specific area that you didn't even know about and you didn't know existed. And my gosh, what a great way to learn and have fun at the same time. You know, it would be interesting to do a series on Wilderness Explorers versus Pirates League versus the Agent P at Epcot. I don't think Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios does one, do they? No, nope, not yet. Anyway, it'd be interesting. But they will. They'll they'll be starting to do some yeah, stuff ones. with their Play Disney app when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens. Yeah, so. it'd be interesting to do a series with all of those and compare them and see like which is the best yeah. and like rank them. I or think something. Wilderness Explorers is more. I think hands on. It's less. It it's less to do with the phone mm-hmm. and more to do with actually looking at something and figuring it out. And it, you ha- use your brain capacity more mm-hmm. than the other ones. I think. I've done the other ones. The other ones are just, you know, yeah. pushing a button. You want to do a whole series? I just answered the question in about two seconds. <laughs> well, I guess well, I guess that I've, idea is done. <laughs> I've never done. Uh, I've never done wilderness explorers. Oh, your either. kids are in prime uh, prime age for that now. I know. We just I, for some reason we've done Agent P. We've done uh, the the Pirates Adventure in Adventureland. They never got into Sorcerer of the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. But uh, yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to mean, check them all out and see. Because yeah, I think I, I agree. I mean, I think when I did it with really my sister, it. we had like an hour left to do like five, and I was like, "All right, we are finishing this. We are not going to have one or two <laughs> left. We're going to plow through this." And I think we skipped like you know the last fast pass or something. I'm like, "We're not doing that. We're going to do this right now." So I don't know if I'd be your friend if I just skipped like flight of passage for. I think it was Explorers. like a lower level, like Bugs, <laughs> Land, Bugs Life or something like that, but. Have to be about no, yeah. All right, maybe. All right, let's finish up with Wild Africa Trek. Another one I have not done, but everyone I've talked to who has done this loves it. Says it's like the I best have done tour. this actually. Okay, you get to talk about it. There. It's amazing. It is super expensive. It costs, depending on the time of year you go, it is between uh, $189 and $249 Ooh. plus tax per person. And that includes what it what it is. You basically go on kind of a backstage tour of the parts of the Kilimanjaro Safari, but it's not, you're not like walking through the break room for the cast members, anything like that. Like they take you through the woods. There are these, you can actually see them from the safari. If you look 
in like the hippo and uh, Nile crocodile areas, there are these real rickety looking bridges above you. That is what the Wild Africa Trek walks on is those rickety looking bridges. Uh, you are, you know, strapped in uh, the entire time. So you, you can't actually fall, but it, it's almost like a combination tour and adventure course, uh, except you don't actually have to climb over stuff. It's just walking across bridges. But very, very neat. I loved it. Um, it includes like kind of a snack lunch in, uh, in the Savannah section there. You can kind of see on your right, there's a little, like what almost looks like a little house up in the Savannah. That's where they do like the lunch and everything for uh, a couple different tours, but including wild Africa trek. So you have this wide open view of the whole Savannah for like the half hour or so that you're sitting there. Uh, it was one of the, the best experiences I've had at, at the park. Now, uh, it is not really for kids. Uh, there is an age limit on it that I, I don't remember offhand. I want to say it is like 11 or 12-ish to do it. But yeah, anybody, I mean, if, if it's within your budget, it is a great, great experience. It take, it's, a, it's three hours long and I'm trying to see what the I think it might be 14. Is. Eight. Oh. It's eight years old and Never at least mind. 48 inches. Uh, but you have to be with an adult. So yeah. uh, if you're under 18, so um, actually that means both of my kids could do it now. Huh? Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. That's something I, it's definitely on my Disney bucket list. I just, just got to make the time to do it's it. It's worth the three hours or three and a half hours, whatever it was. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely worth the time. It's the money I would say is more of the obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, for my family of four to drop, you know, what would probably be oh boy. 800 to a $1,000 <laughs> on right. a three hour tour. Yeah. That's the part that's hard to get past. Yeah. We, it was, it was a gift from, uh, it was a gift from my mother last time we did it. So wow. um, Thanks, she watched Mom. the kids and sent us on Africa Trek. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that's all we had for today. Adam, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you for asking me to be on. And you can follow us at The Mouse and More on Twitter. It's like that on on, uh, Instagram and on Facebook at The Mouse and More Podcast. And we have a private group if you want to join us. And uh, just, you know, I do appreciate the uh, listens and and uh, the follows, and I am the one that personally runs the Twitter account. So anything you see on Twitter is coming from my mouth or my fingers, I guess. And um, <laughs> Angela nice. is great on the Twitter. Brian, I don't think I've had as much interaction with you. No, uh, I don't interact Brian so much. Brian super cynical <laughs> and funny. He's he's a great follow. I, I actually talk. I, I seem to talk very little about Disney lately. It's been oh, a lot of okay. NBA stuff. So, but if you want to follow Brian, he is yes. Fat Brian on Twitter. I am at Angela Dahlgren. And then we are at Touring Plans for everything. We're Touring Plans Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So, yes, I hope you all have a great day and we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.